Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast. Uh, Dread X Collection uh, blowout bonanza. We're releasing a ton of podcasts in these next couple weeks uh, just you know, to help get people knowledgeable about what's in store for the Dread X Collection. I'm super excited about it. I've been seeing these developers coming out with their games over uh, the past week, and I got to say, like, to, to see what these people can come up with in a week is is pretty freaking incredible. So, you know, without further ado, DJ, drop that sick. Hey guys, uh, I'm recording this. We just finished our episode with uh, Kyle Frost, who did uh, SCP Blackout, and also Outsiders for the Dread X Collection. And I realized that I forgot to do my intro for the Dread X Collection. What it is, because uh, I'm I'm a big old scrub, and I've been uh play testing the games all week so i was i was a little bit sleepy and i was just like assuming that everyone already knew what it was because uh i am the center of the universe so but anyways for those of you who are on the uh outskirts the the the, the tyranid habitation the the outer reaches of the galaxy who have not yet seen the center of the universe uh the light has not yet reached them the dreadx collection is a collection of games that we are pulling together from 10 different indie developers that are uh, all making a game within seven days for the same collection. The game is going to be bundled together and sold on Steam for just seven bucks. And just to let you know, $5 of that is for the game and $2 is going to be going to Doctors Without Borders. So we're really excited to, you know, have this all be coming together. And in celebration slash preparation slash just kind of help get the names out there of everyone involved. We're running this podcast series uh, before the game launches uh, as part of our, you know, an addendum to our normal real professional schedule just so that we can try to like hear from everyone what their inspiration was, all that stuff. So once again, the Dread X collection, 10 games, 10 developers, they all made them within seven days. The prompt for this was to make your own playable teaser. So the obvious inspiration is PT, but uh, honestly, there are enough games out there where you walk around a spooky hallway and, uh, you know, ghosts pop out enough recreations of PT. So we wanted to challenge developers in those seven days to make a version of PT in concept, but not content. So not just walking around a spooky hallway, although, you know, there are some spooky hallways within these games, uh, but to make a game that was completed on its own, its own little experience, but also a lead into a much larger world. And uh, our guest today, Kyle, did uh, the game Outsiders, which is a lead into a larger universe that I'm not going to spoil. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And uh, yeah, so if you guys want to check it out, there's going to be a link in the description below for the announcement. And also, uh, hopefully, by the time this goes live, a link to the Steam page so you can wishlist it. So uh, thank you. And back to our normally scheduled uh, podcast antics. Drop that sick beat. one today is a special one uh we got kyle frost here who also goes by uh, malik online uh he's the creator of 
SCP Blackout, which is his previous game, and for the Dread X Collection, The Outsiders, which is the first trailer that we dropped, uh, the first kind of like full gameplay that anyone got to see. Uh, and yeah, so if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go and check out the trailer. Uh, there's one on both the SCP Blackout YouTube and uh, you know the Dread Central YouTube. Uh, you can find the trailer there. So go ahead and give it a watch if you hadn't. Pause this. I'll wait. You can go ahead and uh, watch the trailer and come back and uh, join us for our discussion. So, uh, Kyle, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Good. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's been kind of a, a cram with all this, though. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit stressful, but it's also been a lot of fun. It's uh, definitely unique, uh, at least for me, trying to pack a bunch of stuff in a week, because I'm, I'm used to the more long-standing uh, freeform development. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think that that the 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 interesting thing about this project is that the shorter time frame is a challenge, but it's also been, I think, uh, the the driving force for a lot of like really interesting creative stuff. Yeah, it, it's definitely um, it's unique, and it kind of inspired some confidence because I, I didn't realize it's something I could do. So it's, there was a lot of learning involved, and um, it was really cool to be able to break free to do something just unique and different. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people when they're like making a game in a week, that sounds like impossible. But, you know, when we're seeing stuff like this come out, it is definitely possible. Although, um, you know, some of it is going to be like, you know, using things that you're comfortable with, like kind of like, okay, I'm going to try something new. But a lot of the, the like the thing, the, the, the ways that I'm going to be coming up with things are kind of <laughs> at a certain point, it's like rote memorization, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing every all the other stuff everyone else has been coming up with. Like I'm really excited, you know, try and play their games and just the out of the box thinking they've done has inspired me to, I don't know, more things I want to do in the future. Yeah, no, I mean that's the that's the hope is that this is going to be like a, an ongoing thing. But um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are are going to know you for SCP Blackout, which a lot of people are going to know for you know the SCP name, um, which I I discovered at PAX South because it was like a, an an ambitious vr project which is really insane for like any kind of solo developer to be doing a vr project in the first place um so why don't you go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about uh scp blackout um yeah so i started it um it actually started as a little vr project i was gonna do for a halloween party um kind of thought it might be fun to do a little scp theme uh, i kind of posted some stuff online um people found out about it and you know kind of egged me on and it just kind of grew and grew into what it is today, and now I'm still working on it. Um, we've got survival mode. Uh, it's out playable, although I keep uh, coming up with new ideas and new areas and just keep adding more and more to it. And then mm-hmm. we got the big story mode everyone's waiting on. Um, and that's going to end up with like 16 different endings right now. Really? Um, yeah, just... Uh, re- did a big rework on the intro and it was really cinematic. And me, uh, my assistant Jory, um, really liked the way that felt. So we kind of scrapped the story. Now we're redoing it. So the whole game story mode is going to be like that with a bunch of unique areas, unique SCPs, kind of more puzzle based. Um, yeah, it's turned out pretty cool, but it's going to take a bit. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's like one of those projects that you start thinking it's going to be one little small contained project and it just kind of keeps growing and keeps growing i uh i like that you started this enormous project Mm -hmm. as like a party game 
That's like, yeah, I think I could create like a marble statue, uh, you know, a full-size marble statue for Valentine's Day. Like that's such a huge project to undertake for for a holiday, for Halloween. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's, pretty that's committed. Real commitment. Uh, well, the original scope was going to be a pretty small. Like a, even the demo version I released was technically bigger than the full scope I originally designed the game to be. Just uh, keeps adding on patchworks mechanics. So by this point, it's just this monstrosity that I just keep adding to as a passion project in my free time after work. And I mean, I don't know. It's fun to add to the SCP community and people seem to like it. I was going to say, like, you know, just kind of adding on to this monstrosity is kind of the definition of SCP, though. <laughs> yeah. What uh, SCPs are or subjects are, are in your game? So for uh, this game... Um, Actually, kind of went in with the mindset to um, create custom SCPs, just because uh, I don't know. There's a lot of those, a lot of SCP games out there use a lot of the same, same old big SCPs, and I mean, I didn't really want to just throw something out there for like a money grab to use the big famous SCPs. Um, Seemed a little more fun to come up with something new. So we designed Site 50, so it's where they actually first intake. SCPs before they're classified, so lore-wise, I can kind of be covered to come up with all these new, unique things to, you know, give people a surprise. And um, also kind of asset limitations, because, uh, I mean, I'm just kind of doing this out of pocket, so I can't really afford some modeler to make a bunch of different things, so we just kind of use what we... A lot of our inspiration, honestly, is we use assets we find and then write the story about it. So it's I don't know, it's kind of fun and unique, kind of coming up with something creative like that. Um, kind of out of necessity and just kind of out of fun. Well, that's the thing, is that um, a lot of these original, like, SCPs and stuff are based on, like, random internet images. You know, like, when when you they first started the, the Creepypasta, which SCP spawned kind of out of that Creepypasta um, community. <clears throat> like, so many of these original Creepypastas are just stories that people would write about other creepy images that they found on the internet. Like the, the whole like Russian sleep experiment thing was based on an image that someone found or, you know, the whole Slenderman mythos like grew out of like a creepy image that someone posted. Yeah. The Russian sleep experiment one, I think was just a picture of Christian Bale from uh, the machinist where he's just really <laughs> emaciated. Uh, whoever, whoever saw that, and was like, this is what happens when you don't sleep for for five days. Yeah, it up. <laughs> or however much. I think it was 14 days in the in the Russian sleep experiment thing, although some nerd's going to come in and be like, no, it was 15. Whatever, man. <laughs> Christian Bale didn't sleep for a full year in The Machinist, and uh, he turned out all right. I haven't <laughs> seen the movie. <laughs> I, know he, I know he's all <laughs> fucked up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> he most definitely does not turn out all right. Although, no, he does <laughs> turn out all right in the end. Spoilers for The Machinist, the yeah. 2000, what, what year did that come out? <laughs> I don't know. It was a good movie. I really liked that movie, 2004. <clears throat> yeah, but what I was saying is that, you know, you, you very often take uh, existing, nothing exists in a vacuum. The idea of creativity is like when you really boil down like where the inspiration for anything came from, it's based on something else. So, the fact that your SCPs are all like, you know, you took assets and then created stories from them is is a rather novel way 
to deal with the limitations of not having an artist or a modeler, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's just a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of different points kind of came into the decisions. And it's honestly, it's worked out pretty good because it is fun to be able to just see something and it's like, how can we come up with some unique mechanics for this or a new area or something just around it? So, yeah, I guess it does. It is real similar to how it started. I hadn't really considered that. Just let let me let me <laughs> extol the virtues of your artistic genius. Let leave that all up to me. <laughs> I uh, I mean, what I like most about SCP is that it takes the uh, banal often and turns it really really creepy. I mean, I was in I think high school when the first SCP game, and uh, everybody was extremely terrified um, when it when the bad guy or the bad creature was a concrete doll that had the same mechanics as Boo from Super Mario. <laughs> and like, you know, it it was super effective. It was simple and uh, it worked really well. And uh, I don't know. I remember spending hours going through the SCP website and so many of them are just like, this is a toaster, but it, you know, makes you die. <laughs> you will toast in proportion to how much the toast is being toasted. Woo! But, you know, it works. It's creative. It takes uh, oh, yeah, everyday objects that. and it makes them creepy. I I think that, like, for SCP, uh, like, we all have that phase where, like, we want to, like, when, when, when you discover it, everyone instinctively starts thinking up their own, you know? Like, it's what's, that's the, the beauty of it, is that it's one of those vast kind of creative worlds that you can't help but want to like add and add to, you know? Yeah. And then I don't know. It's kind of, with the SCP blackout, it's kind of weird because there's a lot of really unique SCP ideas and a lot of ideas people tell me, but then I have to kind of consider this wouldn't really make sense or be fun from a game gameplay point of view. But so it's like, I can't quite add that, but then I also, if I only add those kind of SCPs, then a lot of them end up feeling like, oh, it's just spooky monster, and then it kind of strays away from the SCP uh, vibe. So then I have to add in some like mundane SCPs that are like utility or just some in the lore background that don't quite do much. And like, I don't know, it's like a weird balance that I keep getting, have to get feedback from my community every time I add things. It's like kind of a bunch of back and forth, which is kind of interesting. This is an ongoing development, like interacting with my community which is i enjoy oh well, it's good that you enjoy interacting with the community then because otherwise it would be unbearable yeah but yeah one of the things i i really liked about uh scp blackout and this is something that um i i had the sense of when i first saw it because uh like i i said I, I i saw the scp blackout for the first time at pack south and uh, when you when you do the horror game thing for a really long time and you're coming across a lot of indie horror games, like you you learn kind of what to look for to like kind of weed out the trash from the rest of it. Um, and what I what I noticed with Blackout is that like it has really well timed scares. Like you have a really good sense of uh, like when to put something scary in a place or like when to how how to ramp tension what's going to actually be visually compelling that kind of visceral quality that's really hard to actually teach so like 
I'm kind of curious, what was your inspiration for creating a lot of your scares? Like, where do you get your ideas from for I want to scare the player here and how to do it? Uh, honestly, I don't really know. Like, I'm I'm not really a fan of horror games myself because I haven't really found any horror games that can actually scare me. I just kind of try to think of, I don't know, ways that would create more tension for myself. So I do a lot of, that's why I do a lot of kind of randomization on like locations and that way I can't even predict some of the stuff. But as for the, um, the timing, I, I don't know. I just kind of do what feels right. If that makes sense. I'm not quite sure where I learned it from. I didn't even realize that was a skill I possessed, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) I just kind of go off what feels right or what doesn't and kind of shift it around until it just, I don't know, has that right, that, that right vibe I'm looking for. You're like the uh, the barber who's bald because he doesn't trust anyone else to shave his head. But <laughs> that's how you know they're, they're a really good barber. Ironically, Kyle is bald, too. I really? Am. You jabbed me right in the fields. <laughs> Life imitating art, really. Um, <clears throat> so what is your inspiration that like what you said you that most horror games can't scare you but do you find yourself scared by horror films like where do you draw from i i still don't know about that either i i don't really know i just kind of enjoy watching the let's plays so i just kind of make things that i know would be scary even though it doesn't really have much effect on me, especially since I already know what's going to go on in my own game. But, um, <laughs> man, it's hard to, hard to play. I, I just kind of know what would be scary, and I know what might scare other people generally. And, I mean, everyone has their own, like, fears, so I kind of try to spread out the different areas. Um, yeah, I just kind of do it because I know it's fun to watch other people when they get scared and because other people enjoy it. So I kind of rely pretty heavily on the feedback from people. And, and um, yeah, I have my assistant, Jory, who's like, he does almost all the voices in the, in the game. He's incredibly talented. Um, and he started to help me write things, and he's really creative. So he does a lot of the writing for the SCPs, too. So we kind of work with each other on it. And, um, and I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to answer these because it's not something I've really thought of. I just kind of do it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I, I, I think that it also speaks to the nature of, like, fear as being something primal. Like, I, I've, I've, what I was saying is that um, about, you know, Blackout and also The Outsiders, which you're going to get to in a second here, which is uh, your submission to the, the Dread X collection. Um, it's, it's that, you know, you, you can't necessarily teach someone how to make an effective scare. Um, I, guess you, I guess you could in the same way that you can teach someone how to be a better writer. But there is that kind of uh, creative, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The sense of it, like the feel of it, the, the, the inherent talent to it that you can't, that's, that's very difficult to teach. I won't say you can't teach it because um, I, I don't, I don't know, maybe you can. We haven't gotten yet to the point in the Matrix where you can download spooks into your brain like <laughs> Kung Fu. Let's download good horror game design skills. Um, but uh it's it's like the, 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 there's a very like visceral reaction that you get to horror. It is like ultimately like a visceral reaction genre. That's why it exists. And um, so there is something to be said about the fact that 
your inspiration for the things that you wanted to create that are scarier because you haven't found things that scare you. I, I think that's interesting. But yeah, so the, the, the I, I guess what I'm asking is, how do you know what, then when you've created an effective scare? Is it because it scares you or is it because your community says it scares them? Um, more based on, I guess, the community kind of like push things out to my play testers and get feedback on it or kind of tweak it. Um, if people say it's more annoying than it is scary or it's like buggy, then I'll try to tweak it or I'm not sure. There may have been some things that I just removed entirely because it just wasn't really coming across, but I can't really think of any, or they have ideas, a way to make it like spookier, different things like that. I usually take that into account. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I rely pretty heavily on my, my community about it. Just to do the fine fine tuning. Mm-hmm. So, okay, now we get to the outsiders because with SCP Blackout, with 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 SCP Blackout, you have this big community of people that are not only interested in the game because they play SCP Blackout, but are also interested in SCP. So you have this like large playtest audience. But with the outsiders, you you really didn't. So how did you know? when you got the, the you know the cornfield feeling just right or when you had uh the the dude at the end of the hallway i'm trying not to spoil things here because like the game isn't out yet but like how did you get the things to look so good in the places <laughs> well uh the blackout i can generally get pretty close to the mark and then i use my community to fine-tune it so with these um with outsider it's such a small project compared to blackout that it's kind of easier to kind of hit the mark because blackouts probably like 20 or 30 different outsider projects size projects all put together so it's really nice with with outsiders because it's so small and clean and quick to work on so it's a lot less effects um compared so it's kind of easier to throw things around and i don't know try to get kind of on the mark with things um i've had a couple of play, play testers and some things work on some people and some things work on other people and you know everyone has their own own fears and susceptibility to uh, you know spooky atmospheres and stuff but um i don't know with scary effects most of from what i've experienced at least most of the fear comes from the atmosphere so like you don't want a bunch of jump scares because those aren't really scary, but once you build up a really good spooky atmosphere, a lot of the fear effects are the people kind of doing it to themselves with the, like the unknown. So you just kind of, I don't know, kind of throw in a bunch of little subtle effects and I don't know, kind of let it play itself out with the different players. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, uh, definitely. I remember like getting so freaked out in dead space until you know, while I'm waiting for the, the creature to, you know, attack me. But then when it leaps out of the vent and is screaming and waving its arm around, suddenly it's, like, not scary at all. Like, the atmosphere definitely pulls, like, probably 75% of the, the horror, if not more, I'd say. Yeah, that's what I've always, well, apparently found that I'm pretty decent at, is building up a good atmosphere and then... Yeah, that's something that I've always found in games, too, is once you have, like, a set enemy, you know what it is, you can fight it, you can defend against it. For me, it stops being a horror game. It just becomes an action game by that point. So the things that I've always 
work the best are just on that spooky atmosphere when it's like the buildup and the tensions. That's something I usually try to kind of go for. And then um, with the actual effects, I try to do the randomization. So like even when you do kind of know what's going to happen, you still don't know when it's going to happen and it still kind of balances out that tension. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess what I really want to talk about now is, um, uh, it's, it's, it's so hard to talk about outsiders without spoiling it because where did the concept come from? Cause so, so like, okay, we can't tell you like how it ends or what the twist is or any of that stuff, but essentially you're in this house and, um, while you're in this house, you're finding keys to like open doors, standard horror game stuff. Um, but after you die, uh, you, you, it, things change after every playthrough. Um, and that's kind of the core gameplay loop is that you're exploring around this house. You have a certain time limit to try to do things in. And when you, when you die, you come back and do it all over again. And, but things are slightly different and, um, it gets kind of easier and easier until you're able to finally beat it. Um, you could technically, I guess, beat it on your first playthrough if you have like a strategy guide or something. But normally players are going to probably beat it on like their fourth, fifth, or sixth playthrough. Um, or if you're my girlfriend, never because, uh, she plays on a touchpad because she's a, an absolute savage and, uh, she can't actually push the buttons fast enough within the time limit. So, um, that being said, where did the idea for this all come from? Um, so with Blackout, I am, I was limited by assets, um, uh, mostly, but, uh, I've been working with Unreal and, you know, kind of trying to make games for like six or seven years now. So like some years ago, um, I still had the same problem with lack of models. So me and my friends back then kind of tried to come up with ideas on things to work out. Eventually I wrote up the uh, whole idea for Outsiders, but bigger. And I was like, maybe we can make this in like a couple of months or something. And then we had a lack of assets and then moved on and forgot about it. So when we came to this uh, week-long project, uh, I was thinking of different things, and then I remembered the um, what I used to, what I had planned to write for that story back then, and um, I think I'd forgotten a lot of it. But I was like, I think I can kind of tweak this down into a, something I can do in a week. Cause now that I'm a lot more skilled, and now there's a lot of assets I have from Blackout and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And it ended up working out. Um, I think there's still enough story where I could you know, move it into a full game someday or like a series of games um, once you actually know the story. But yeah, it just it came from something I wrote up a long time ago on something I could try to fit into like a couple of months and now I can fit it into a week, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing is that this is not supposed to be like the full version of uh, The Outsiders. I mean, this is, as the prompt for the, the project was, was to create playable teasers for your large project. And so this is, you know, you play through Outsiders, you get through the game in probably an hour, hour and a half. And then um, when you're done, it, there's like, it's, it's a full story, but it opens up to a much larger story where there's more questions that want to be answered, etc. which I think is, is really cool. It really does go with that whole PT vibe that we were trying to recreate with this project. But yeah, so, um, but did you, did you have any initial inspirations for the game? for that original idea? Like, where did that original idea come from with all your friends? Um, man, it was a ways back, so I don't fully remember. Um, I've come up with a 
like a ton of different game ideas and game prompts and different ways that um, I think the the core idea that kind of helped design it was something that was kind of easy to go on mechanics um, that had a lot of replayability. Um, so I was like, probably just one level, but the level may change or different things happen as you're there. And I was like, well, a house is pretty cool. And um, one of the few movies that did make me kind of uncomfortable was uh, Signs, when there's like the things running through the cornfield and that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I think I can get corn. So I definitely want a cornfield and, you know, just different kind of effects. And then, I don't know, I like when things have twists, like when things aren't what they seem without spoiling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always super interested me. And then Lovecrafty and horror. And then I just, it all kind of came together and then got a little bit refined into what I think I was capable of. And I don't know. I think the story came out pretty interesting. Um, there's some other references I could throw in there, but those are too big of spoilers. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it just it all kind of came together into something I think is pretty cool and something that I think has more potential later on as you know as you go on. Yeah, best keep it vague, of course. Um, uh, Jesse, why don't you go ahead? What's your favorite dinosaur? Hmm. Let's see. Um, my dinosaurs would probably be from Ark because that's my biggest experiences with dinosaurs. Um, that's the one with like the cyber dinosaurs, right? Uh, yeah, if you play long enough. Right on. God, that game gets so ridiculous. I remember playing Ark when it like first came out, like the first betas when they were first sending out press codes for it, and I was like, I can use my own shit as fertilizer. Can you still use your own shit as fertilizer in that game? Pretty sure. Yeah. Like well, an mechanic. It's better to use a dino because they make more. Oh yeah, no, that's true. I'm just saying that you know you can uh, use it. So, but uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I uh, got distracted for a second by uh, Twitter. I, I, you know what? I never wanted to be on Twitter, but now that I am, I'm like trying to promote projects and stuff. Like I find myself spending an uncomfortable amount of time scrolling through uh like what other people are posting and like trying to figure out how to like maximize reach and exposure i'm like slowly becoming like what i used to make fun of all the time <laughs> tale as old as time i never have... use my twitter yeah well I, I think one of the coolest parts of this project has been like the the kind of the collaboration between um all the different involved parties because it's been really cool to kind of like see everyone not only come together but also promote each other like everyone's been really positive like we we had the interview with john and john um john from the the scythe team and he was saying um you know this would make a good reality show and i said i don't think it would make a good reality show because like no one hates each other yet (laughs) that's true yeah everyone just seems to be getting along super well um so uh what is what exactly is it about this 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 specific project that uh first off interested you and you think will interest people that want to check it out uh just probably the variety of developers and like how different people can take the same prompt um just a little horror teaser game and just roll with it um because each game is just so unique and so different and like a lot of them are just so fleshed out with like i don't know kind of interesting little stories um just from like the snippets people have posted i'm like 
I, I'm personally really excited to do it. And then like we're doing it for such a cheap price that like, I don't know, it's just, it's really cool. And then we're like donating some to charity. This, <clears throat> all of it together is just, I don't know, interesting, and unique. I think it's, I don't know, really good around these times when people might be short on money because it's short and it's just, I don't know, that's a lot of different experiences to put just all together because mm-hmm. it's like 10 different little games. Yeah, I know, it is pretty cool. Um, I, I just, it's, and, and I was really worried like when I first started it that like all the games would suck, but they're actually all coming out pretty pretty good so far. Um, so I'm excited for streamers to be able to get their hands on it. Well, who do you who do you hope plays your game? Ooh. Like what streamer? Like what what's your what's your what's your stretch goal? I don't I don't know if I have a specific favorite one. I just like it when there's a bunch of different ones, just so I can see all the different reactions. I'm really I mean, hoping it's, it's... Ted Kaczynski plays our game. <laughs> the Unibomber? <laughs> the Unibomber. <laughs> I don't know if he has Steam. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. Yeah, for me, I guess it's not it's not a, the quality of one streamer, it's the quantity of all the streamers, big and small. Just, with Blackout, that's always been the fun part, is just seeing how different people react. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited for it too. I mean, I, I've I've already gotten like a bunch of streamers reaching out to me to try to see, um, you know, if we'll uh, when we're gonna have copies being being able to go be sent out so that people could check it out. And I'm really excited to see kind of the community reaction to just like the the sheer variety that we have. Um, but uh, I I I guess the, the the big question I I think that I always forget to ask is. Though the point of the podcast is to um, try to get a sense of like how people can get into the world of gaming, because there's a lot of people out there at home that are like, man, I, I really have this idea for a game, but I'll never be able to make it. So as someone like yourself that has gone from the thinking about the project to actually like making it and then having the project explode into something bigger and being like, and then, oh, gosh, I guess I'm just still keeping making it. You know, what kind of advice do you have? Uh, to the people that are just kind of like starting out or thinking about starting out? Uh, just that you just kind of have to keep pushing forward. Like it probably took me multiple years before I got that big project that really blew up. But, uh, but way before then I was able to make smaller projects. I was just limited basically on the models. So like, I mean, it's a little easier with friends, but I mean, you don't really need anything to do it. Like I've always had a full-time job. Everything is available. It's online. It's free. It all it really costs is your time, and I mean I was able to do it just in my free time after work after long enough. So it's there's really nothing stopping you but you. And I mean you can always find ways to make the time if you need to. What, yeah. Uh, what are some of your uh, earlier projects when you were just getting into it? Um. I kind of started with a couple of different horror projects. Um, the passion that I have, like my favorite games are like building and survival games. So I made a couple of different um, functional building games where you could like harvest resources and like, you know, build little houses and like modular pieces and different like decorations and stuff. But, you know, that kind of needs a lot of custom models. Um, I really had an inspiration when I was like little, like building like full Lego cities. And I always kind of wanted them to come alive. 
and I never could. Um, so I kind of like, that's what got me into gaming is I started modding Minecraft to try to make my town more alive. And I was like, why don't I just learn how to actually make a game? So that's another kind of passion project I've done a couple times is where I can build a village and have the villagers actually walking around, like living their lives. So I've done that a couple times and I don't know, just a bunch of different little projects and stuff like that that were functional and they were kind of fun, but they never went anywhere because they weren't pretty. Um, yeah, just different things like that. I didn't really expect the VR game to, the little horror desktop game to go anywhere until, you know, it, it did. And that's just because the marketplace had grown enough that I was able to actually buy the things I need. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, uh, I mean, a lot of games that people make that they didn't think were going to go anywhere exploded. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, I think they threw Portal into the orange box just because they're like, yeah, we got this little, you know, shitty, shitty game. Maybe, maybe someone will like it. And, uh, I mean, I don't know where else to go with that. It's pretty self-explanatory, I guess. <laughs> Like I think a couple people liked it. A couple people. <laughs> it was all right. I think that uh, Papers, Please is a good example. Um, you know, there's a lot of games out there like that. We, they weren't exactly sure they would blow up in the way that they did. Like um, Super Meat Boy, I think, is a good example, um, which actually kind of grew out of the the McMillan's like uh, Alien Hominid, that kind of Newgrounds style of like, violent cutesy art that um was really popular in that era but i don't think anyone expected it to get quite as big as it did did he do did did edward mcmillan do binding of isaac or am i conflating that yeah i'm pretty sure wait i'm getting my fucking am i getting my devs mixed up super meat boy i should know this like just off the top of my head Team Meat, Ed McMillan, yeah, is on Super Meat Boy. And then Binding of Isaac is... Yeah, it's also Ed McMillan. I knew it was. I'm real smart. This is why, this is why I get paid the big bucks. I'm a professional. Well, You're getting air paid? Quotes professional. Yeah, I know, right? Um, kind of. Uh, so, uh, Kyle, why don't you go ahead and, um, you know, just real quick... Um, for your, for your fans that have been supporting you this whole time, um, what do you, do you have any like kind of message for them? Uh, and if anyone wants to get in contact with you in the future, uh, uh, or follow your development process, how, how can they best do that? Uh, well, a lot of my, you know, close fans, they're all on my Discord. <clears throat> so I talk to them just about daily, um, or get their ideas, get their feedback, send them like betas and stuff. Um, so my discord and like Twitter, my email, like everything's all on declassifiedx.com, the webpage, which I'm probably going to have to design to have like a part for outsiders and stuff. And since we did this week long thing and I'm confident I can do it, I think every other month I might make a little short game kind of similar and just start building a collection or something. But yeah, our hub on everything is, um, on discord. So just feel free to join that and or yeah. Even in game on SCP Blackout, if you happen to get it, I think I have a link to everything everywhere. Yeah, and if someone wants to try to get a, a copy of SCP Blackout, this will probably go live while the giveaway is still going on. 
Oh, nope, never mind. Giveaway's already ended. I forgot. We're doing the Scythe giveaway now. Sorry, I have like <laughs> 10 things going on right now. It's hard to keep track of like what's going on when. Anyways, um, if you wanted a copy of SCP Blackout, you could have followed us on Twitter. And aren't you feeling bad that you didn't? Um, so uh, Better luck next time. <laughs> but anyways, guys, yeah. Uh, the DreadX collection is going to be coming out uh, by the end of the month. We're still getting everything uh, all finalized with it. Uh, with a project of this kind of scale, there's a lot of moving parts. So, um, you know, but we got, uh, it's a short, it's a short pod today, but we're uh, going to be coming out with several of them over the next couple of weeks, um, like, you know, multiple a week, because we wanted to just give all of the developers a chance to kind of talk about their creative process, talk about their games, try to get a little bit of a spotlight on them. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll see Kyle in some other interviews coming up here pretty soon when we're uh, done deciding how to divvy up and sacrifice the devs to the media gods and uh so yeah just keep an eye out for that and uh just check out more of uh the dread dread x collection in the link below also check it out on steam we should have a steam store page up uh kind of by the time this goes live so we'll link that in the description below and uh kyle thank you so much for joining us man hey thanks for having me it was a lot of fun yeah, and, and honestly, uh, having played The Outsiders, um, you're, you're going to be shocked that this was made in just seven days. I mean, there's there's like a lot there for a game made in just seven days, and uh, especially some of the scares and stuff. It's like, it's really great. So go ahead and uh, check it out. And uh, Jesse, thank you, as always, for joining me. I try. Do your best. And uh, I'll see the rest of you, all of you great fans soon. Bye. Hello. And welcome to this short educational film. You have either requested to be transferred to Site 50 to conduct cutting-edge research, or you have been volunteered by the Foundation. Congratulations! Let's begin this tour with a quick history lesson as we explore your new facility. I'll hand this over to Dr. Pendium for a quick overview. Good afternoon. Wonderful to have some fresh blood. Firstly, we are located deep, deep underground, so do enjoy the sunshine while you can. Oh, I suppose if you're watching this, it's probably far too late for that. Anywho, this site began a simple stop and holding location for anomalous objects and entities to be transferred off-site to a sizable network of subway tunnels. As more SCPs were discovered, the site expanded operations until 1948, when it was rebuilt to create a revolutionary state-of-the-art facility dedicated to initial capture, containment, and research into newly discovered SCPs.